Welcome to the Sustainability Talk Series brought to you by the Sustainability Collective at National Chengkung University in Taiwan. We hope to use this online space to discuss, share, and learn about sustainability issues with guests from different cultural and academic backgrounds. Hello everyone, welcome back to another listening session. Today we're going to take a look at sustainable material management, what does it mean and how does it work. And there's no one better to talk about it than our guest for today, Professor Vincent Chow. Professor Vincent Chow is an internationally known expert on sustainability-related subjects and a university professor. He was a university professor in NCKU. And so we're happy and lucky to have him today. I'm Laura, Laura, and I'm your host for today, and along with Dr. John Harrison. Hello. Now let's welcome our guest. Hello, Dr. Chow, and welcome to Sustainability Talk Series. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Well, good evening to everybody on, on the podcast. I'm uh, Vincent Chow. I used to be uh, a professor at NCKU uh, uh, eight years ago, and uh, I'm now in uh, Toronto, Canada. I'm a Canadian uh, citizen, with uh, but originally from Taiwan. So, uh, I in the following an hour or so, I'd like to share with you my uh, my viewpoints and experience with you about the sustainability, uh, sustainable materials management, and the magic of it. Thank you. Good. Yeah. Thanks, Professor. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I I've had um, some experience with you in your classes, and I enjoyed your classes a lot. Um, but maybe our listeners would like to get to know a little bit more about you. Um, so, Professor Chow, what's your background like in maybe education? Um, yeah. I'm a, uh, I was basically trained as a chemical engineer. And uh, I did my master's degree in biochemical engineering at that time, as in 1969, a long time ago. And it was mm -hmm. a pioneering uh, field. And then I, then I moved on to get my PhD degree in environmental engineering uh, in Canada. And then I stayed in Canada. And uh, I've been staying in Canada for since 1971 with, uh, uh, and, and then during 2006 and two, uh, to 2012, uh, that uh, uh, six-year period of time, I, uh, I was invited by NCQ to go back and, uh, and teach and do leading a research team on uh, sustainable, sustainability. So basically, that's what I, I, I am. I have about, uh, in overall speaking, I have about 40 years experience in the uh, in engineering and industrial and academic sectors, and with uh, I've done projects in uh, North America, in uh, Asia and uh, Euro Europe, basically. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Professor Chow. I was telling Laura earlier, I think a couple days ago, that you were probably one of our top guests with uh, the level of experience and knowledge. So. Yeah, we're really happy to have you on. Um, so the topic today is sustain sustainable materials management. So maybe 
um, some of our listeners won't understand what that is. Could you give us a maybe a brief overview of what what it means? Yes, uh, I'm I'm happy to do so. I think sustainable materials management. The background of it is that we are running running out of uh, resources. Uh, in in the summary, we use about eighty percent of the natural resources we have, and leaving only twenty percent for our generations and generations and down to, to use. So that's uh, not a good thing. So what we're doing now, we're trying to preserve the natural capitals. Natural capitals here means the uh, res uh, the uh, material, uh, uh, minerals, and uh, and and uh, energy, water, air, and everything we depend upon to make the financial capital work. So basically what uh, sustainable material management is doing is that it is an approach to promote the use, uh, the sustainable material use, and uh, to so as to reduce the negative environmental impact and also to preserve natural capitals. Uh, they, I, I just share with you what do we mean by natural capitals. And natural capital is part of a very important thing which make our economy work. I mean, we have a financial capital, we have natural capital, and we, use, we also have a human capital. And, but we know that our natural capital is limited. Uh, so we have to be very careful in how we use materials that we have and or we inherited to make the financial capital work. And so, uh, so that's basically what it is. And uh, in terms of sustainable materials management, we have three pr basic principles. Now, number one is to dematerialize. In other words, we have to take less from the earth and make the best use of the material and the energy uh, that we have. Uh, and also to, uh, in a, in a, in a, uh, not only from the environmental point of view, but also from economic point of view. And the second principle is to detoxify because we have too much toxic toxicity accumulated in, on the earth, mostly generated from the the, the materials we, that we use. And that also we have to do. And the third principle is to internalize the external externalities. In other words, you know, whatever we usually consider as a burden or a cost, we have to incorporate that consideration into our original design or our uh, or our uh, operation. So, so that's uh, the three basic principles of it. And the way we do it, it's either uh, you can make it to to develop and and uh, use the renewable uh, material and renewable energy, such as biomass and bio uh, energy or bio biomass materials, and and they also you can do it by uh, uh, taking an approach like a circular economy or zero waste to make sure that we do not waste anything and. Uh, and make the best use of it so that we can help to preserve the natural capitals. It's also related to the um, life cycle assessment, right? Yes, it is. And so the way we do it is that, you know, maybe all these older buzzwords about uh, what boils it down to is that, you know, uh, what do we mean by sustainable? You know, sustainable it has to be 
not only economically viable, uh, the environment is sound, but also economic, economically viable. So, uh, having said that, you know, it's all qualitative statement. Quantitatively, we have to go through a life cycle assessment to, to, to actually to find what is more sustainable than the others in terms of material and energy. Uh, so we, when we look at the uh, life cycle assessment, we, we have to see, uh, uh, go through the five stages. The first is the uh, raw material acquisition from the earth. And the second is the uh, uh, material preparation or manufacturing. And the third is the product manufacturing. And uh, the fourth is product use, and eventually is product disposal. So we have to review the whole spectrum of the life cycle of any product to see whether this and uh, compare the material use, energy use, and toxicity, and this and that, all on the equal basis, on the apple to apple, orange to orange. And after that assessment, then we can see uh, what is more sustainability than the others. i give you one example in terms of like a solar energy, a solar panel. Well, we know that the solar panel, they basically, uh, the material efficiency is only 8%. And so that is very bad. In other words, we are, why, produ why producing, manufacturing the, uh, the solar panel, we are actually wasting 92% of the material we dig from the earth, and they all come up uh, as a waste. So, so that is a, a very bad from life cycle assessment point. But solar solar energy generally is conceived as a clean energy at the by, for the users, and that's correct. Uh, uh, because you don't have any emissions, but the emissions and the pollutions are all done before that. So we have to sum it up to compare. Uh, apple to apple to see which one is actually a cleaner technology uh, energy. Well, maybe when we talk about the the in this case, then we have to see where are you in and where is your boundary. For example, for the user of the solar energy, it is in fact you know it's a it's a clean energy, it's a sustainable energy. But for the producers who actually. Uh, doing a lot of mining and manufacturing of the solar panel, then it's a bad news. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Yeah, that, hmm. Yes. Well, but to say it, I'm not discouraging solar panel, but I'm just telling the, uh, uh, sharing with you is that, you know, we have to look at everything from a, a overall perspective, what is good for you in your region. And, uh, uh, another example is that we are promoting electric cars. Well, electric cars sounds good in the cities, you know, it reduces emissions. But normally, the general the question I'm going to ask the whoever promoting it, you know, where does the electricity come from? If the way of gen uh, the electricity is generated is from coal-fired uh, plant, power plant, then sorry, you're not adding to any anything uh, to the benefit of the earth uh, or climate change. You are actually doing yourself injustice. So unless we can make sure that the source of the electricity, electricity generation is also clean, then it's not a clean technology. Yes, when I was studying energy engineering, 
yeah we we focus a lot and um about yeah like green energy is equal to uh clean energy sometimes right and then it's really nice to see the other side <laughs> of it oh yes and the sustainable that's what the sustainable material uh is and you have to look at the the, the old sites you cannot just pick one point and say oh, this is a sustainable material and so uh, i think this is a, a a very good approach which will leave nothing for to, to regret afterwards and we have uh, it's uh, it's not that easy to claim a real sustainable material but we are keep uh, doing work to improve it so sustainable sustainable materials is a sort of progressive and uh, and uh, innovative you know we have to keep uh, bettering ourselves is it also considered the social aspect when you talk about sustainable materials of, of course well sustainability takes into consideration like uh, the three things that we have to uh, uh, look after you know it's first is uh, economics expert uh, the aspect and also environment aspect and then the third one the social aspect the social economic impact is very 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 important of it you know sometimes you you promote something uh, you think is good in for example in uh, in the western world but it may not be so in Africa and it may not be so in Latin America for example because uh, whoever can afford it the affordability of such materials is also important and uh, which uh, also for example in the, many years ago I participated in a in a project in South Africa uh, yes South Africa and and they they had a huge problem with the with the uh, garbage generation. So what I did is I also I promote the idea of uh, refuse derived fuel, which they begin to wonder what is in it. The reason I said that is because refuse derived fuel is to take the gar the municipal garbage and uh, and going through a certain process and make it into a fuel, a pellet or something. Uh, as a auxiliary fuel for industries and community use. But the important thing over there is that we have to get people involved in the, in the, in the, in the, in the garbage sorting uh, because we certainly do not want undesirable thing in, this, uh, in the refuse derived fuel plant, which, we create, which probably will create problems of pollutions. We have to sort it out. And so that sorting, we can get the community people involved. And, and in the Western country, they probably do it by a mechanical way or automatic way, but that doesn't help the, uh, that doesn't help the, uh, the social aspects. In, in Africa, we have to consider that to sharing the opportunities and make and enable people to work uh, for a payment is also important. So that's the social aspects. Yes, thank you. Yeah, prof professor, I remember a story. Yeah, yeah, I, I remember a story you could uh, maybe share if you remember about um, garbage in Taiwan and how um, the basically sustainable materials management came about in Taiwan back maybe in the seventies and eighties. I remember you sharing. I remember you sharing a story about um, Taiwan. I don't know if you remember the story. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I do remember. 
I think John and you you have done a great you are doing great in, in the course and you you're you're the one who got the high higher marks. What one of the top three. And I did remember what I said is this, you know, when we talk about sustainable material management, it's, it is approach, it is concept that how we do things to make the best use of the, uh, the material we already have. So, and uh, in about, uh, I was for the, one of the first, uh, the so-called international expert who proposed to, to, uh, to recycling and value-added recycling and eventually eco-industrial development, and eventually circular economy in Taiwan. And the first thing we did, one of the first thing we did is, of course, we look at all this municipal garbage, and also look at the, this industrial waste. And so we come up with a, a, a concept that, uh, first of all, there's no such thing called waste. They're all uh, usable material, and the, the orange is, they're simply a misallocated resource. So what we do is we need to find the best use of it and through an innovative way and upgrade it to something uh, which are uh, value added and which can be used in the market uh, in a way that uh, it will help the, the uh, economy as well as the environment, of course, and the social aspects is also to be considered. So. Once we have that concept, then we, we, uh, the Environmental Protection Agency came up with a very important act, which is Resource Recovery and Re Reuse Act. Uh, before that, it was only Waste Management Act. In other words, everything is a waste. And, but we say that, no, 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 that's not the way. The, the, those waste actually the secondary material that we can use, although they got the contaminated, there's a lot of impurities in it. But our job is trying to separate it and sort it out and uh, and uh, turn that into some usable materials. So this uh, Resource Re Recovery and the Re Reuse Act is a very important piece of act that actually initially initiated and inspired the whole thing. Uh, in other words, you know, if anything which we consider are recoverable, recyclable, and reusable, they are not waste. You cannot send it to the waste management facilities, for example, incineration or landfill. You are not allowed to. So you have, you have to go to another, uh, 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 a different route, uh, which is uh, more uh, more flexible and more accommodating. And so uh, many many ministries got involved in that. For example, when it comes to industrial waste, it's the Ministry of Economic Affairs, Industrial Development Bureau will have to uh, to to uh, initiate and also to supervise those kind of effort, come up with the permitting and this and that. So, and then of course the uh, EPA looks after the municipal waste. And so uh, like the Agricultural Council, they look after the agricultural waste. So each uh, jurisdictional agency will have to look after their own waste uh, and make sure that turn into a resource. Uh, so with that, you know, uh, in a f in about ten years, the garbage, for example, for the the garbage rate generation rate uh, from in Taiwan has re been reduced from 1.1 kilogram per uh, capita per day to about 0.48 uh, kilogram per 
capita per day, uh, cutting to more than half. And that also created at that time a little problem because the incineration plant was designed for the full capacity. And now, after the garbage was cutting to more than half, that's not enough feed for this incineration plant. You know, that was a, a very interesting story. And uh, uh, and in, in terms of industrial waste, so the municipal waste recycling rate at uh, Taiwan enjoyed was a sixty percent, very high, uh, very high uh, in the, from uh, from any uh, when you compare to other countries, and the industrial waste recycling rate is about. Uh, 80%, and, uh, that's even higher because the industrial waste, uh, there's a lot of uh, usable material in it. But we also recognize that uh, due to the limitation of the technology and the market, there are still some gap in between. So the work is still going on trying to, Im to improve that towards a zero waste. Uh, go in other words, we are trying to reduce less and less things uh, going into the waste management uh, facilities such as landfill. You know, for Taiwan, it's a necessity, necessity because uh, Taiwan, it's a, uh, it's very limited by the land and the space for for landfilling. And uh, I would like to share with you at this point that in 2001, a group of uh, uh, environment professionals, including the, the uh, including the deputy minister of the EPA, Professor Zhang Zuwen, who was a uh, who is a professor from NCKU. We went to get together to visit uh, a, a Danish facility and, and uh, uh, communicate And they had a beautiful, almost like a zero waste system, you know, a industrial, industrial park or something, a biosymbiotic bio park. And we had a uh, session with uh, the deputy commissioner of the environment, and we asked this uh, dep deputy commissioner why the Danish has achieved the seventy-four percent national, uh, nation nationwide in terms of recycling rate, and that's what he shared with us. He said, first of all, is a waste to them. It's not a waste. It's a misallocated waste, uh, mis misallocated resource. And the second principle he said uh, they had is the land is a gift from God. It shall not be used for disposal, period, and end. So discovering that, if you, if you determine that you're going to send it to landfill, they're going to charge you an astronomical tax on the uh, tipping fee so to discourage you. And the third thing is that, well, they recognize that uh, not everything is recyclable or reused at the time. Uh, at that time, so they also allow a way to incinerate it, but then again, the cost is going to be very significant because government is imposing a heavy tax on it. So that effectively, uh, uh, you know, in encourage uh, the uh, the partners uh, they to to think about uh, what they can do to make make use of uh, the so-called secondary material or waste, and so. We learned a lot from that, and after that, we came. Uh, I, I believe Professor Zhang, who then was the deputy minister at the time, after he came, we came back. He started all this, the uh, the uh, new initiatives of promoting, uh, promoting, uh, uh, eventually a second economy act, uh, the the action.
Yeah, that, that's really interesting. Um, thanks for sharing that cool story. Um, now, Professor, maybe we'll ask, uh, we have a few listeners, if anybody has any questions that they'd like to throw at you. Um, I'm not sure if any questions we have. Um, I, I remember um, you discussing about the misall misallocated resource, and I, I do remember discussing that in class, and it's, that stuck with me, that, that key phrase, the misallocated resource. And I think it's still a, applicable to how we're doing things today. Um, now, do you, do you think, I have a question for you because I don't think anyone's bringing up any questions. So Professor, do you think, um, can we achieve zero waste? Zero waste is a, it's a goal. It's not that easy to do. I give you one simple reason. We do our best in trying to sort, separate, and uh, uh, recycle, recover the, ma uh, the material which you can use in the market. But nevertheless, sometimes we're left with some residuals, uh, residuals uh, which are not wanted in the cycle. So, so the residuals keep piling up in the system and that eventually you have to be dealt with by a waste management method. Uh, but having said that, uh, the market may not be there at that time, uh, and or the technology is not there at that time. We have keep to looking for new opportunities uh, in the coming years to, to further make that into uh, something uh, reusable or recyclable so that we can achieve a zero waste scenario. I give you one typical example is this. You know, we do have a lot of uh, chloride or chlorine content um, materials like in the plastics or in this and that. And that is very difficult to use. Anything which contains chloride or chlorine in it, uh, then of course, chlorine or chloride, you know, those kind of things, it's either toxic or, or um, not good for use in the in the in our in our the real world or market. So it will accumulate in the system. So you end up we in the in the in the in the secondary material system or the waste management system. We end up with a lot of chlorides, which you a lot of people are uh, not uh, do not realize that. That is why the EPA. At one point, is uh, is uh, disallowing uh, the use of the plastics, uh, certain plastics. It's because of that concern. Because uh, so when, once the chloride is in 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 the system, and then you cannot get rid of it, and it's also very cheap. It's like a salt. You know what can you, what can what value can you add it to the salt? You know because uh, uh, it's a common problem worldwide. Uh, now it start, first started in Germany. I learned, uh, when I worked in Canada in the 1980s, uh, uh, late 1980s, we started to explore the, the, the same problem with chloride. And Germany doesn't have any good solution to that. So what they do is they, they take uh, those uh, chloride. Sometimes they are dioxins. And the dioxins come from chloride. You know, and when in incineration and in the thermal process. When the, ref the reformation uh, process going on, they form toxins. 
So that typically it's from the incineration, uh, incineration ash, uh, incinerator ash. So what they do is they, they take those uh, uh, dioxin contaminated and uh, and uh, and the chloride con uh, con contaminated the uh, ash and uh, put concrete over it and uh, and and send it down to the decommissioned salt mine uh, along the the border of west uh, west and the east germany they do have such a deposit a, uh, advantage for about uh, quite a few uh, hundred kilometers so that's where they put it uh, until the time that we can find use of it but i think that uh, until that we can uh, what that time seems to be not imminent so there's certain limitations that we uh, we realize that we can never uh, we cannot achieve zero waste at this time, but we're doing it. You know, as I said, that when the market when we find the market use for it or or there's some technology breakthrough in, then it will surface up. This yeah, is just I, an example. Yeah, yeah. We 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 had a good. Thank you for. That example, um, we did have a question. I think you answered the question um, from a listener. Yeah, I think you just covered it, but I'll tell you anyways. Um, does practicing zero waste have an have an their impact on the environment, or it doesn't matter because the industry still generates more waste? Well, I think the worst thing could happen is we live in the uh, uh, disposal of in the in the. In a general environment like a landfill, and that's the worst thing we can do because we are leaving problems to our generation down to resolve. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I, we we hope that we can solve the problem, uh, doing our best at this time because it's actually our generation is doing has caused all these problems, not our children's and children. So we are have to do our best trying to resolve it before uh, pass down the problem to them. I do not agree, uh, agree with some political leaders uh, saying that, oh, when questioned by this kind of problem, he said, well, that's, uh, that remains for, that will stay for the, uh, our children to resolve it. I do not think it's a good, uh, uh, the political leader should never say that. But I know that uh, one, uh, that's one particular political leader has said that. I do not agree with him. You know, he's, I, I think this political leader is not. Uh, well, I I don't know what the word to put uh, put on them when he when when he was when this person was questioned. You know, he say that, and we have to we have to resolve the problem now. Don't leave the problem to our children to the extent possible. We may not be able to solve all the problems, but we should have to act, and uh, and uh, and uh, I. When John, when you asked a question, you know, uh, posed a question to me, I I recollected a a, a telephone conversation between a classmate of mine, Eric Hu, uh, who used to be the uh, the chief operating officer of the Far East Group, is a huge empire, uh, and he 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 is now in Vancouver and he's retired, and he we. Conversation went into like this, and they said, "Well, it's a 
And he said to me, he said, well, I am very grateful for what you told me about uh, uh, 20 years ago that uh, you uh, that uh, this uh, circular economy concept and the zero waste concept and they help him to focus on uh, to how to make use of all the waste the uh, uh, their company generates. Eventually, what he did is you know now there's a lot of plastics around. So what he did is extract, uh, he processed those plastics like PET bottles and extract the filament out of it. And eventually he, he got that interwoven with some cotton and other things and make into a, a, a high grade uh, the clothing materials, which is now used by the Nike, by some sportwear. And uh, those things are used in the Olympics and uh, and the World uh, Football Game athletes. You know, whenever whenever you see them, uh, it's actually their product. You know, you take a, a BET bottle at the one time was think was thought to be uh, good for nothing because you you can hardly get any any value out of it. So what they they did they. They had a revolutionary concept and they make it into a functional uh, clothing materials. So that's that. Uh, uh, that is very. Uh, uh, so she she share, he shared that with me and he thanked me for for the inspiration uh, that I gave him because at the time I say I told him that this is a problem and he I already warned him the climate change is coming at the time. Because uh, climate change, one of the problems that we have too much uh, uh, carbon emissions, and that carbon emission comes with the uh, material use, energy use, and whatever use in our daily life, in our manufacturing, in our product use, and everything. So, in one of the things that we do to mitigate the climate change is that we we do need to reduce our material use, energy use and uh, water use and everything and uh, so he turned that he turned that into uh, the practice uh, uh, in you and solving the major problem of their company and uh, make them and make a huge profit out of it so the key thing to all this sustainable materials you management is to you have to be profitable otherwise you will not survive you will not be sustainable so, so, Professor, we have another question here um, from a listener. I'll read it to you. Some people would debate whether bioplastics are truly sustainable. Uh, would you consider bioplastic to be sustainable? Yes. What if, yeah. uh, it is. I think it's not a, a black and white thing. I think the bioplastic is a good concept. But some, some so-called bioplastic is not really bioplastic. You know, because they... They they seem to be bioplastic, but they're not biodegradable uh, to a certain extent. So they become so the claim uh, of bioplastic is, is in question. That we need to examine things which are really bioplastic. Now here in Canada, for example, Canada to to uh, to abate the climate change, the Canadian government has uh, come up with a a. Uh, a renewable, a sustainable material and a sustainable energy program uh, to convert 
the the forest material, which is a cellulosic material, and make it into a a a biochemical, biomaterial, and a bioenergy. And a lot of uh, a lot of uh, uh, products have already come out, but we need to commercialize it to, uh, to for wider accept acceptance by the market. And that, if we if we implement it, that we will reduce the dependence on the uh, uh, dependence on the fossil fuel, which is going to help uh, greatly the climate change uh, impact. But the important thing about that is how do we define uh, the bioplastic and the biomaterials and bioenergy, and that has to be very stringent, and we have to uh, to examine it and uh, have a a standard and also a, a a sort of a permit to certify that and not, not at this time I know that in the market and a, a, pop, a lot of people loosely claim they are bioplastic, bio this and bio that but when you look down to it and actually they're producing more pollution they're producing more pollution than uh, than not using it or than the other options or they're producing uh, they're generating more problems than solving it it's not a, it's a not it's, it's not a something wrong with the bioplastic. It's a way people people claim what they're doing it. So the market has to be controlled. Yeah, good. Um, now I think we're almost out of time, Professor. Um, I think you answered that very clearly. I think our listener appreciated that. I would sure. like to ask so, just mm -hmm. one last thing: if, if there's yeah. like a book or uh, documentary you recommend to our listening listeners or uh, I will uh, there are some there's a lot of uh, thing available uh, now actually especially published by US EPA or European uh, the e, the European Commission uh, I will look for I will come I will send a link to you so that yeah you, you can read it yeah it's not a standard textbooks because this is involve, involving uh, science and technology. And uh, it's not only just technology, it's also policy and economics, a lot of things with it. The, uh, for your information, the European uh, Commission has done a wonderful job in this, is in, in uh, sustainable materials management. But the EPA uh, sort of uh, uh, are quite after Biden comes on, you know, they are more active now in uh, promoting the climate change mitigation and adaptation. So yeah, these these are related. These are all related. So if uh, yeah, once you share that with us, we can share it with uh, within the Discord and into into sure. the Sustainability Collective. Yeah, that would be wonderful. Sure. Okay. Yes. It's okay. Evolving, Thank you. It's an evolving. It's an evolving science technology with the socioeconomic considerations. Okay, so I think that's all the time we have for now. And uh, thank you, Professor Chow, for thank taking you. your time to talk to us from Canada. So it must be really early right now. And thank you. Yeah. Uh, thanks to the, to the listeners, so that they can give us a bit of time so to listen. And thank you for asking questions and participating and giving your comments in this live podcast. Uh, follow us on Instagram or 
on this Discord, Discord channel to see you and sorry to get more updates and see you soon. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Jun. Thank you, Dr. Chow. Well, thank yeah, you. Thank you, uh, thank you uh, uh, John and Laura. Thank you for inviting me and I'll be happy uh, to, to continue the discussion or dialogue with you in any, any, any form. Thank you. Yes, I think there's a lot of topics to talk about, like just about ma waste man management. And yeah, I'm at you. Yeah, I maybe yeah. we can have a Professor Chow as a, retur a return guest. Yeah. 